You're listening to the Access Success Podcast, produced by Access U, a division of Access Advertising and Public Relations. Hey, let's do something big. I'm your host, Rachel Schneider. Welcome to the Access Success Podcast, where we highlight important topics focused on education in every form it takes. Now, as you know, in previous episodes, if you've tuned in before, we've discussed the new capabilities of artificial intelligence and the many ways it's entering the creative world. We've also seen how quick and efficient AI can be for things like copywriting, which begs the question, will it become part of our daily workflow? And how can we make sure that AI is being used ethically? Here today to share his perspective is a Roanoke advertising legend and co-founder of Access Advertising and Public Relations. He's a recipient of the American Advertising Federation's Silver Medal for Lifetime Contributions to the Advertising Industry and a member of the Marshall University School of Journalism and Mass Communications Hall of Fame. A writer and lover of the creative process and all forms of communication, please welcome Access President Emeritus and Senior Copywriter Todd Markham. Great to have you today, Todd. It's wonderful to be here. Todd, we're so glad you got to come in. Let's just jump right in. When did you first start hearing about AI and what was your reaction? Well, AI has it has been a long time coming. There's been a dramatic change over the last couple of years, but... When you started really getting an iPhone where you could ask Siri to do something, then AI was happening. It just it just took it a while. I always say, you know, young people will never know what it's like to be really good and lost again. Like, when we were young, we would be in Georgia and think we were in Kentucky. I mean, we would get that lost. But now it's just, hey, Siri, uh, uh, you know, can you uh, – fast food near me. Hey, Siri, what are the directions to uh, uh, Louisville, Kentucky? And, and you're Absolutely. there. So a thing that was like – Artificial intelligence has been happening for a while. I think I've been actively using things that are called artificial intelligence for maybe three or four years. And I'm also into augmented reality, which is a friend, which at least could be a friend of artificial uh, uh, intelligence. Yeah. Um, it, but it didn't happen overnight. We all should have seen this coming. Okay. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you founded Access 26 years ago, and the typical workflow of a writer and a creative has changed a lot just since then and over time. So is AI another evolution similar to the internet and social media and GPS and other ways that humans have been able to use technology then to enhance our daily lives? Well, well, we, we really were looking toward the future, even from the beginning of Access. The Access website is older than Amazon. And uh, I, wow. wish, I wish we'd have done the Amazon thing instead when of the advertising agency. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we were very, very early into that. Um, and you know, the, the going back to the question of you know, is it you know is uh, is, is it something that's going to be part of our current creative process? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think it is, and it's funny because people have changed over the years. Um, used to be. Uh, traditionally, we, we would have the, the brainstorming session where everybody would get in the room and we would draw things up and we would write things and we would sketch out, uh, we would sketch out designs and we would sketch out uh, copy concepts. And that, that doesn't necessarily happen that way, at least in this agency. And I think in a lot of it, part of it is it's remote working. Yeah, you can jump on the phone and do a Zoom, but do you? Right. People have become very comfortable with being, uh, um, you know, being in their own little pod. I sort of thought music kind of signaled that because we went from having 
a boombox and loud stereos in our car where we were taking our music and broadcasting it to everyone and sharing mm-hmm. it with everyone to where all, all of a sudden we had the iPod and our music was a very inside thing and it was just for us and it was it was personally curated. curated. And I almost wonder if that didn't have something to do with the way that we work together. We still work rather effectively together. Right. It's just different than it once was. I love that you brought that up. I was just thinking of that because when I go on trips to visit New York City, I'm a huge Broadway nut. So when I've gone there, I notice the cultural shift almost immediately getting on the subway. Everybody has their AirPods or earpods in. They're totally plugged into what they're doing on their phone individually versus me now living in the South here in Roanoke. Um, I don't know if everybody considers this the South, but I still do. Um, being here, if you can't walk down the street without somebody just giving you a nod or wave and say hello, people are so much more open. And I think that is a geographic difference too. But as a society, so much of our work and our daily lives has become more independent. Um, So that's a great point. Right. And I know it's getting a little off of the subject, but I do think that COVID had a profound effect on what we're willing to accept, how we're willing to share, what we're willing to do on the the computer. We were actually uh, in New York when Broadway went dark. Oh, wow. And walking through Times Square where you saw maybe five other people was just a surreal kind of, oh, kind of thing. Oh, I bet. Yeah. We didn't even know if we were going to get back because at the time, nobody really knew what COVID was. They didn't know you know, is this the end of the world or whatever? And we were actually thinking they may close state borders, you know, and it was just the most bizarre thing. Just imagining walking through New York City, it must have felt like an apocalypse movie when you see no one out on Times Square. So, I mean, what are some benefits that you could then see from AI as an agency workflow and as a writer yourself? Because we've had other creatives and other writers here just thinking about AI. It's, it's kind of divided between, hey, this could actually be really helpful. And then also, is this going to replace me? Is this going to take my job? AI, I, I hope as an industry we have more wisdom in pursuing AI than we did in pursuing computers. Mm-hmm. When we, 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 we embraced the computer rather quickly, but we, all we really accomplished was doing things faster. And when you do things faster, you don't necessarily do things better. Uh, you know, it used to be two weeks from the time that we would send out a, uh, a, an ad to get done, to get turned into a, 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 a color proof and to get back and whatnot. And everybody was so excited when the, printer, when the printing boxes came back from the printer to open up and see what the actual printed product was like. Yeah. When, the com- when the computer came, it changed that. And now we do things very fast. You can really call in the morning and say, I want an ad done today. Sure. And that ad can be done not just today, but probably in that hour. But have you really given it the thought? My hope is that we will harness and use AI better to say, not how can we do this faster or how can we do this cheaper, but how can we do this better and how can we do this to benefit our craft? Mm-hmm. Whether or not that happens, there's always a great temptation. There's always a race to the bottom. And, and, and there's always a great temptation to do that. I think as far as particularly the agency relevance goes, it's interesting. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of putzing around with a book on uh, baseball cards at the edge of World War II. Oh, wow. And cool. uh, I, I sent out – I was really not sure that I had the time to write it, and I sent out to a couple of writers and said, you know, I'd like to have uh, an – article on chewing gum manufacturers in the 1930s. I got a bunch of responses from Upwork or whatever the platform was, but one sent back a completed article rather quickly. 
I could tell it was an AI-generated article, but uh, but it was quick. It wasn't bad. It wasn't really good. It was just, it was, if, if I was trying to fill space, it would be fine. I always say, I've spent my whole life writing words that no one will read. Because when you give people a brochure, they look at the brochure and they say, ah, oh, that's pretty. That's got nice paper. I like those pictures. Very seldom do they dig down in and read all the read mm-hmm. all the words that you've written. And yeah, you can fill that up with, with AI. I, I think those of us who have a sensibility for exactly what that's like, though, won't be satisfied with that product for a while. The data analytics, on the other hand, uh, optimizing some of your social feeds, optimizing the way uh, the way that the social feed hits, I think that could all be that. I think that could all be in a year. I really think that it's just right there. Um, one of the criticisms I often hear about AI is that it makes mistakes. That, oh, it's not always accurate. I've worked with 5,000 people in my career, and the one thing they all have in common is they all make mistakes. AI is going to make mistakes, too. You just can't be asleep at the wheel with mm-hmm. AI. You also can't be asleep at the wheel when you're working with uh, an inexperienced profession, uh, professional or someone who has anxiety problems that, that isn't allowing them to focus on their job. Or, or You can't be asleep at the wheel anywhere if you want to be a professional. That's That's the definition of being a professional is watching it. We have to have that same attitude toward using AI as a friendly thing that helps us and allows us to do things more and better. But I don't think it'll ever replace, uh, you know, what agencies do. I don't think it'll ever replace what, um, you know, insurance agents do. I don't think it'll ever, you know, I don't think it'll ever replace anything, you know. One of the really profound things that have happened, though, is to enable AI you need so much capacity on uh, bandwidth, just literal bandwidth, little literal computer banks to store information, and they're getting they're getting that down. I mean, yeah. you know, it, it it's it's coming to where it will be it'll be accessible. It's um, it, it will be an int- it'll be an interest it'll be an interesting thing. But no, I don't think that they're going to replace things. When you you know when Jim Carrey has gone into his semi retirement, when Kenny Rogers had retired, what do they do? Carrie's a painter. Kenny Rogers was a photographer. Uh, lots of people write books and memoirs. Did they do it because they need more money? No, they don't need more money. They have more money than they could ever possibly spend. They do it because we as humans have an innate need to create. Um, last week, my daughter went to the Taylor Swift concert. She got to go to the Glendale show, the okay. very first one. First of all, yeah. so jealous right now. <laughs> so jealous of your daughter right now because I've seen nothing but pictures of that tour on my feed lately. The costumes and the effects look magnificent. So sorry to interrupt. Oh no, <laughs> she played for three hours and fifteen minutes. That's a oh, long wow. concert. It was a yeah. it was a great show, and it will always be one of those. But I also think that that shows another need for the creativity. It's the need for us as a fandom, as a Swifty, as a whatever, as a baseball fan, as, to say. Oh, this is a thing that is part of my life. This is a thing that defines my generation. And I don't think you're going to rally around uh, an AI-generated uh, uh, piece of music, even though for years AI has been able to create or, or an AI-like thing. They can play guitar better than a guitarist can play a guitar. But nobody can Taylor Swift like Taylor Swift does. Uh, uh, no, no. Shout out to all the Swifties out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a great point. Yeah, because you brought up, and I think you may have said this before in a prior email exchange of ours too, but you could argue that the world doesn't need any more books because we have like 
thousands and thousands of books and movies and everything for people to watch is at their fingertips these days on Netflix or on Amazon. But if there's always going to be that innate need for humans to create, then um, yeah, I, I, I think people, and when I say people, I'm also referring to myself, may be afraid of AI just because it seems like so many of those movies we grew up watching, like Terminator and iRobot, where we see the this artificial intelligence coming to life and we think, ooh, that's that is kind of scary, right? Mm. That something can take on a life of its own. Um, but knowing how much content that we have to produce these days um, for businesses or for our personal life to keep up with our online presence, that's something our social media manager has brought up too when it comes to just copywriting social media posts and, and getting things done. You know, she can go back later after she submits something through AI and gets 30 posts, you know, if she wants to personalize them and clean them up a bit. But yeah, I mean, it, I can definitely see how it can speed up that process while still allowing for that creativity, too. Oh, oh, sure. You know, um, I, 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 one of the things that I've found, and it is, it's what I'd call a shadow AI tool. It's not really quite true AI, but it's mm-hmm. pretty close. Is I've used Otter AI for years. Okay. Uh, Otter AI transcribes things, and I do a lot of videos where I'll interview people. And their interviews may be an hour long, 15 minutes long, or whatever. I've spent so much of my life transcribing those interviews. Mm. I don't have to now. Right. I put my cell phone down, I play it on my computer, and it, it, it spits out a good transcription. That also allows me to watch and pay attention to say, oh, their inflection was nice there. Ooh, they picked their nose there. We're going to have to find something to cover. And I don't have to wait until I've gone back and recreated the script there. You know, it, 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 uh, it really does allow me to work a lot more efficiently in, you know, in that way. That's a great point. And that makes me think of all of the ways that the journalism industry might start utilizing that because with such an exodus of uh, journalists nowadays leaving newspapers and leaving TV stations, that would usually take up the biggest bulk of my time in TV news was transcribing interviews or we would call it logging sound bites from our day. And we had to make slot within, you know, 30 minutes, 10 minutes sometimes and pull an interview bite together. So I could very much see how that could be helpful. Um, And in a previous uh, episode, we also talked about potential controversy surrounding AI on the PR side and things that can be created with it, like deep fake photographs or videos and how that relates to news, because we've seen um, incidents where photographs have been deep faked. So it looks like someone is in that photograph doing something and it's actually not that person. So uh, Lucas Weaver, who was on our PR team and is now our director of digital, had mentioned, what if somebody makes a deep fake of your client in a photograph and the public thinks it's real or it gets reposted by news sites? It's like, how do you combat that? Um, so, So I'm just curious, what do you see as your prediction of how do we distinguish what's real and what's fake, and and how can we help that? Oh, I have no idea as far <laughs> as that goes. The the genie is a little bit out of the bottle. It's it, it's good. I mean, you can usually find it if you take the time uh, uh, to to actually analyze the photos, analyze the shadows, analyze all the all the things. Right. You can usually identify a deep fake, but. We a long time ago, as a society, or uh, the, the journalists made the decision that they would rather be fast than right. Apologize later if you have to apologize, but I want to be the first on record. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I don't mean that as an indictment in the entire industry. Some of the people I admire most are good ethical journalists. But how do you justify if you if if nine out of ten times it's right? How do you justify being a day behind your competition? How long can you stay in business that way? I think it's a difficult. I think it's a really difficult 
thing to wrestle with. You Absolutely. Know? You know, we have so many AI features just through Zoom. You're able to enable uh chat AI, and that takes our meeting notes for us for the bulk of our client meetings nowadays. Right. And it, it the cost to, the cost of entry is so much cheaper. When I started my career, to build a production studio that had the capacity that comes on an out-of-the-box Mac would probably have been a uh, $500,000. And now you open your Mac and you and click a couple buttons and you can do the same thing. It's amazing. We also spoke with our creative team, Olivia McKinney, one of our graphic designers here, and she's spoken to us and, and got us caught up on the creative world and how there have been people entering art shows with AI-created pieces of art, too. Um, and that brought in a, a lot of talks, too, about controversy in terms of uh, copyright. And so when you guys have worked on different pieces of written work in the past, um, people have said that AI is able to take different images off the web to create artwork. And I guess they're able to create um, written pieces of work based on things that are already out there. Does that bring top to mind any copyright issues that might arise as AI becomes more prevalent? Uh, yeah, of, of course it does. Um, the... the uh and it also brings uh, it brings up a deep a deeper question is is creativity what you do with your hands or is creativity what you do with your mind and if it enables somebody who can't do something to express a, a wholly unique idea that you know it, it really becomes an individual choice. Mm-hmm. Um, robbing somebody of, of of their work is is not is 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 obviously wrong. You know, um, I had a friend who she was entering a, a fairly prestigious college and had been accepted, but her entry essay was flagged for plagiarism. Oh wow! Um, this was uh, this was long before uh, before anything came up, but it, it was long before the computer issues uh, w- would have helped that. But uh, they asked for them to explain, you know, okay, we want, we, we know we wrote this originally. Can you explain to me why they did that? And they said, you are not a student here, therefore we don't have to explain it. And it was uh, this terrible, terrible thing. Oh, and she ended up with a great, she ended up in a great school. She ended up, uh, she, you know, she's a doctor now. Everything is fine. But, um, one of the things I've been playing with as far as, as is what you can do with AI is I'm trying to reverse engineer AI. I've, I had a blog that I wrote about baseball, about baseball in the 40s that I did off my common knowledge, that I did off my 50 years of fandom. I did off the fact that I've checked out every book in the library about baseball at the time. Mm-hmm. But I don't have footnotes. I don't know where I got that information from. Oh, so I'm yeah. trying to reverse engineer so that I can actually get footnotes to, uh, to validate what I said in my blog, because I wrote it just as a fun thing. I, and, and then I suddenly said, hey, you know, this is kind of close to a book. Maybe you can turn this into something. So yeah. I'm not comfortable with going out there just out of my memory. So I, I, I'm hoping that we can re- reverse in, in engineering it. But, yeah, there's a lot of questions about the legality and the morality. And I, I think that at least for right now, we all know what feels right to us. And that's not a legal defense. Uh, but you know, if it feel if it feels like you're stealing, you're stealing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you know where where it goes, uh, where, where it will go. Uh, there'll be there'll be legal challenges, and they'll get it all figured out. Uh, one of the art sites, I want to say Deviant Art, recently had a had a thing because they had enabled a uh, that a, enabled AI art within their platform. However, uh, 
they had not gotten their artist permission, but the AI could access their artists. And they're, all of a sudden, the artists who were selling a bunch of their art on, on Etsy or whatever, all of a sudden they weren't selling very much. And they would say, uh, art, uh, but if they went in and said art in the style of, of, uh, uh, of Lucas Weaver, then it would come up with art that looked like Lucas Weaver's, but was not. It was generated through AI. Or and Tim Burton, or like another or, yeah. distinct style. It could just pull all of those. Absolutely. And and it could pull it and make it. And um, that, to me, is one of the interesting things, because they're playing both ends of that. They're also selling some of that art. So Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that was what uh, Olivia was mentioning, too, is how this could possibly hurt artists that are trying to make a living off of their work. But then how can they make sure that that style is... is theirs and legally theirs and it's not getting taken uh by any ai form to get created into something else Mm -hmm. um so that's definitely something that we've talked about and so many updates that we've seen in that world too of ai being able to write whole um feature length movies and and direct and do all Mm -hmm. these things that we never thought possible um it's just really interesting to talk about on the creative side and uh, seeing where it goes i have a friend in law school right now who's studying um, contract law and, and copyright and things like that. And he actually just wrote an essay for his law review concerning uh, the legality of AI and, and what we can expect to see from the future. So, right. Yeah, it's really interesting to see where it goes. And another thing I wanted to ask you too is you talked about ad- adapting or. Um, what did you call it? Like backworking AI or reverse right, engineering, engineering it yeah. for your blog and um, working on your next book. So I did want to take a chance to talk about the book that you currently have out about high school football with some Appalachian flair, I understand, that you have to it. Can you tell us a little bit about Way Out Wayne? Oh, sure. Yeah. Way Out Wayne is it, it is truly a labor of love, but it, it's a it, it's about a small town uh, high school football team. It's very much based on the small town. I, I grew up in West Virginia, you know, there are some differences just through my interpretation of it because I haven't lived there in 30 years. But um, it looks like they have a legitimate shot at a state championship. And then all of a sudden, a bizarre on-field incident threatens to take out one of their star players and just throws that that player's life into chaos. And there's there's a lot about media. There's a lot about morals. There's a lot of just fun in it, too. It's it, it's funny. And while I was very fortunate to have some very good editors to help me, it is the book I wanted to write. I don't know that it's great, but I know it's the book I wanted to write. And it, it's available on Amazon, and a couple of the major book, uh, re- book retailers sell it online as well. But Amazon's the best way to get it. So that was going to be yeah. my next question is where can people find it? So check out Way Out Wayne if you go on Amazon and anywhere else where books are sold where you can get it when you look it up. Uh, we're in a lot. We're in a, we're in Book No Further. We're in a lot of the local bookstores as well. Wonderful. Yeah, so if you're local here, check out, check out a local author who wrote a book by himself without AI. But it adds, I just love that that's interesting to say is that you're going to use AI to reverse engineer and help with your next book, but you're still using that creative process, though, too, from just your base knowledge there. So just that's already an example how it's evolving into our work. Yeah, I don't know if AI, I don't know if AI will ever be able to come up with completely original ideas. Now, there's a lot of ideas out there, and there's a lot of ideas that are on the web, and it can seem like it's original, but... Can it ever come out with something that's just not been not been done before? Uh, right. And, and I sort I sort of I, I sorted out it. You know, um, one of the one of the places I've used AI recently is um, 
I would not use it as a professional thing, mm-hmm. but um, my audio scratch tracks. I, I I use Speechio to 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 generate those because I can get you know if the if the client's saying I don't know would a man or a woman sound better than that? It's really easy. I don't have to go to a studio. I don't have to hire somebody. I don't have to you know I don't have to pay studio fees and 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 or and. I don't have to explain to the the voiceover artist why they ended up going with somebody else. You know, it, it, you can you type it in. It's getting better as far as you can go in and nudge some infle- inflections. Trying to get the thing to say Buena Vista is one of the hardest things. I've, I, 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 yeah. I, you know, it, the really non traditional uh, uh, pronunciations can can throw up, but it's pretty it's it's pretty cool that you just have you know you're sitting there watching uh, uh, the America says and you can get that audio thing done instead of going to a studio or going through voices.com and weeding through the 50 responses you get and like I said it's not quite good enough to use as a finished product sure but I have thought about it and the reason I've thought about it is young people especially if you're going after a young person they spend a lot of time on TikTok. TikTok has that robotic voice. That's how it is. So maybe that is more. Maybe that would be something that would really draw a, a, a younger, a younger viewer, a younger, a younger engagement. Is if it sounded more like the TikTok voice than it did a professional voiceover. I don't know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna play with that one of these days. That's a good point because they may hear that robotic sounding voice that you hear on TikTok when you open up a video. So it might be very. Um might be very attention grabbing actually if they saw that or heard that in a commercial um and the different ways that can be incorporated so yeah well we look forward to seeing where that goes and um really interesting to hear all of the ways that you've already incorporated that into your own work whether personal or professional and just ways that we can use ai to help rather than hinder our work um in the creative sphere and in the professional sphere so todd thank you again so much for coming on oh thank you this has been so much fun i really i i I love thinking about things, and and I'm at a point in my career where the repercussions are minimal, so I can think about them with joy and optimism, and and and, and it really is a, a thing that if we use it right, it can be so good for all of us. Great. Well, before you go, since this is the Access Success Podcast, could you please share a recent success story, either personally or professionally? Oh. Um, a very recent success story. Professionally, there's there's always things. I have some wonderful clients that I work with. I have some wonderful uh, uh, groups that I, I volunteer for. Um, but a personal success that I really enjoyed was I, I got bumped on the plane to first class coming back from uh, from from Arizona. So I'm thinking, hot dog, you know, it's it's an early flight, but I'm here in first class and it's great. Nice. And I hear a baby screaming coming in the door, and the lady plops down beside me. And my personal success was instead of, it would have been, it was my nature to be, to think, well, what was me? How do I get stuck in a four-hour flight with a screaming baby? But the baby was fine. It was just hungry. So I actually got to hold and play with the baby across country. The mom got a nap. And that was just the best thing. I had a, I had a, a point where it could have been a really bad experience that I got the blessing for it to be a really good experience. So um, we're going to go out and go to the restaurant when we get back to Phoenix. So it, we're, we're looking forward to it. But yeah, it's oh, life is that. wonderful. Yeah. 
And it also, you know, I can't help but relate it back to our episode today because that's an example of human connection that will AI ever be able to notice those things and do those things for us? Mm. I don't think so. I think humans will always be there for each other to connect and help each other out. So that's just me. That's just me being on the side of like, I guess, um, the uh, the anxious side of seeing what AI can do. But I love hearing stories like that. You're a little young to have seen this, but did you see, have you ever seen Idiocracy? Mm, no, I don't it's think so. It's a Luke Wilson vehicle where he uh, goes to sleep, and I think it's in 2005, so it's that dated. Okay. And he wakes up centuries later, and everybody is stupid. The people who are just barely competent to uh, to, to log, put together uh, full sentences, they make administrators and doctors because they're the smartest among the people that's left. I don't think we're doomed to that. I mean— Young people are a lot smarter than I am. They're a lot more. They're a lot more fluid. They're a lot more capable of of making changes. Um, um, I don't. I don't think that AI is a sentence for our society. I think I'm really optimistic about what can happen. Well, I love hearing this from you, especially with your experience in the industry. It kind of calms me down a little bit. Lets me know that this is potentially and most likely just another evolution of how our work is going to um, be able to just evolve and and change into things that can help us instead of hinder us and and make our work faster and a little bit more productive even in a lot of moments. So thank you for your perspective again. Oh, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And thank you for listening, everyone who's watching or listening to the episode today. Hope you enjoyed our conversation. And if you did, let us know by following our show on Spotify and on social media. We'll see you next Next time. Thanks for listening to the Access Success Podcast produced by Access U, a division of Access Advertising and Public Relations. Find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram to keep up with what the world of education needs to hear at Access U Agency and connect with us at accessu.com. Let's do something big.